Hey, can we just praise the Lord for the worshiping song this morning? Yes, praise God for that. It's always a joy to gather and to sing praises unto the Lord and to open his word. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and start finding your place there. We're continuing in the book of Romans. We'll start in verse 18. Can you believe we have made it all the way to chapter 8? verse 18. So I'm excited uh, to be able to journey through this portion of the text today. As always, if you uh, have missed, you know, several messages along the way, they're all posted online. Uh, They're on our podcast, on our church app, uh, wherever you can find them. Uh, Just reiterating, it's not that I'm interested in you necessarily listening to me preach. Um, I just think it's important for us to understand the full context of Romans So make sure that you are catching up. I think it will help you uh, tremendously. Today, we're going to talk about a few uh, interesting things, starting off with how life can be tough. Uh, We'll also talk about how all of creation groans for the glory of God. And we'll bookend this, this portion of Scripture by talking about how the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. So some exciting things today that are meant to be an encouragement for the believer in the room. And so I pray uh, that way for you today, if you're a follower of Christ, that this message just bolsters your walk with him and really provides a lot of encouragement to your soul. Um, I I pray for those that are here. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You're examining the claims of Christ. Man, my, my encouragement for you is that the Lord would use today to show you how glorious and how good He truly is. So my prayer for you is that uh, God would would open your heart to uh, his majesty today as we journey through this portion of the scripture. Before we jump in, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes praying together. Uh, Two things I want to pray about. First of all, I want to pray about the back to school event that's taking place this Saturday. We had a tremendous, tremendous time last year doing this, handing out backpacks and lunchboxes and uh, giving haircuts. And no, it's not just anyone giving haircuts. We have professionals uh, doing that. But it's an incredible, incredible event, opportunity for us to connect with our community and have gospel conversations. So if you want to come up and be a part of that, we'd love for you to come up and be a part. You can sign up to serve uh, online. I believe that's still available. If not, you can come up. We'll find a place for you. We have a lot of involvement this year, which is pretty cool. But excited about that. So we'll pray for that. We also are going to pray for our missions team who are boots on the ground right now in Mexico City with the Pagan. So we have Jaime and Mirna Pagan who are serving as full-time missionaries in Mexico City. Uh, Pastor Drew is leading a team over there right now as we speak. And we've got uh, a group of four from our church that's serving uh, there. So we've got Armand and Julian and and Jesse uh, who are there alongside of Pastor Drew. And they're doing some really cool things. So I want to pray for uh, the Pagan family, pray for our mission team that's over there right now. And I also want you to hear a bit of encouragement from Jaime as he uh, is posted at the, the largest university in Mexico City. He's got a word for us, just an encouragement for us. If you'll draw your attention to the screen, check out uh, Jaime as he speaks to us. Hi, Apex. I'm Jaime Pagan, serving in Mexico City. Uh, this week, we have our team from Apex Baptist Church uh, seeing see the city and, and visiting various ministry places. We're at the largest uh, university in Mexico. It happens to be in Mexico City, 200,000 plus students. And um, we want to encourage you to, uh, in addition, praying for, uh, to be praying for us, to also consider coming to serve with us. Uh, we have a big need for 
uh, young people, uh, journeymen, uh, students that are gonna be part of the hands-on program, because um, this is a big task and uh, my wife Mirna and I cannot do it alone. Uh, we need you, we know that God is uh, calling people out of Apex uh, to serve in short-term uh, missions, mid-term and long-term too. Uh, so yes, please uh, touch bases with Drew if you feel called. Uh, and thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We love you and uh, we will be seeing you very soon. God bless. Amen. Such a cool video. Uh, if you do feel any kind of draw to short-term, mid-term, long-term missions, man, it would be awesome for you to be a part of that. You can connect with Pastor Drew, really anyone on our staff will, will put you in the right direction and, uh, and, and, and get the ball rolling on that. Let's pray for these two things, back to school, our team in Mexico City, then we'll jump into the text. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today to come before you, to sing praises unto you, to open your word. Uh, God, we thank you for the opportunity we're going to have this Saturday with the back to school event. God, we're excited about that. And thank you for the generosity of our people in uh, donating backpacks and lunch boxes and their time to help and to serve. And Lord, it's such, a, such an incredible outreach event. And Lord, I pray that you'll just be with us as we go throughout that this Saturday. And God, we also pray for our team who is in Mexico City right now. God, we know they've experienced some really uh, neat opportunities this week. And I uh, pray for their energy, their strength as they continue over the next few days. God, give them the encouragement that they need. And we pray for the Pagan family specifically, God, that you would encourage their spirit. Um, even now as I pray, God, that you would um, help them to just settle into the, the gifts that you've given them and the role that you've given them in Mexico City, God, that you would open doors uh, to send others there to, to support them um, and to help to accomplish the, the gospel ministry that's taking place in that area. God, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in Mexico City. And we pray, uh, Lord, for the message today, God, that you would speak to our hearts in a manner in which only you can. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for praying. Hey, I want to start by telling you about a family that I used to pastor. I had the privilege of pastoring them when I was in Florida. Incredible, incredible family uh, named the Crawford family. But I'd never seen a family go through so many highs and lows. I, I never experienced that in the way that I did with the Crawford family. It all, it all began, at least from my experience, with the oldest daughter being paralyzed in a car accident. And the family was obviously reeling over this and trying to figure out what their next steps needed to be as far as adjustment to life. And there was another uh, person that was in that car accident with her, a very, very dear friend um, who lost her life. And so they're dealing with all of these things. And not long after that, uh, the mom received a cancer diagnosis. And so she was contending with cancer and uh, pr praise the Lord, she was able to overcome that diagnosis. But it wasn't long after her overcoming that the dad was diagnosed with cancer. And he had a pretty long battle, a uh, difficult battle, but was able to overcome uh, after, after this, we uh, see just kind of a mountaintop experience. Ashley, who is now a, now a young lady, she met the, the love of her life. And I uh, mean, this gentleman just loved God deeply and loved Ashley tremendously. And so we had their wedding ceremony and it was a beautiful time. And I remember 
her daddy uh, dancing with her, and the father-daughter dance, and uh, he's, you know, she's in her wheelchair, and he's dancing with her, and they're dancing to Shane and Shane's song, Jesus is the One You Need. It's a pretty incredible moment. I can picture it right now, uh, that service. So it's just a mountaintop experience. Well, after all of that takes place, their home burns down, and, uh, and they watch this new home, beautiful home that they had built just burn to the ground, and it's an incredible, incredibly difficult time. Well, after this, the mom's cancer returns. And I just kind of have a front row seat to all of this, attempting to minister to them the best that I know how as their pastor. But the mom's cancer returns. And we were told that this is a very aggressive form of cancer and that the diagnosis was pretty, pretty grim. And so they did some kind of emergency procedure. They, they rushed it as quickly as they could. And uh, we, we, all, we all knew as a church family what this family had been through. So when she had this procedure done, there was like 50 of us in the hospital waiting room. Uh, Pastor Peter, you've probably seen some experience like that where there's certain instances, and it's rare where you'll just have a ton of people in a, in a you know, hospital waiting room. We weren't supposed to be that deep in the room, but we were. And I'll never forget the doctor coming out, and he just, man, he looked defeated as he, as he walked out. And he gathers the 50 or so people around, and at this point it becomes a public speech, but He's, uh, he's speaking to them. He takes his mask off and he's just, he's defeated. And he says, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. And we're like, well, what, how's she doing? What's going on? He said, we went in there and every bit of her cancer is, is gone. There was no tumor. There was no cancer. There was no markings. There was nothing. Yeah. And so we, we celebrated because we've been praying and we knew this family had been through so much and just praise the Lord for that. And um, at that time, the husband was really grateful, but it was a short time after that that he was diagnosed with cancer once again. And within a short few months, his life uh, was taken from this cancer. And I remember preaching his funeral and how tough that was because here's a young man who I skied with every morning. I mean, the church was right there on the lake. And uh, beautiful, beautiful lake. The pastorium that we lived in was right on the lake. That's how I know it's God's call for us to be in North Carolina. North Carolina is pretty. It's beautiful. But the church ain't on a lake. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we skied every morning. And Curtis, the, the dad, was a good buddy of mine. And preaching his funeral, I'll never forget. Like, wh what am I supposed to say? How do, you, how do you navigate this? How do you deal with this? His family has been through so much. And they love Jesus deeply. Uh, how, how do you deal with this? Well, he passed away. And then the... Uh, the grandfather, who was in good health, a great church member, he went in for a minor procedure and he didn't make it out. And I preached his funeral shortly after Curtis's funeral. And I, I processed these things and I'm thinking this family has gone through so much. And, and as, I, as I watched from a front row seat, I, I, I was dealing with some anxiety of how do I, as a young man, pastor them well, lead them well. And I'm dealing with some of, you know, compared to them, uh, probably small, but dealing with some things in our own family. And, and my anxiety began to peak. And man, I was just wrestling and wrestling. And it was in that moment that I realized life can be hard. Life can be full of mountaintop experiences and full of low, low valleys. And this is not new news to anyone in this room. You know this to be true because you have your own experiences. You know that life can be challenging, that life can be tough. Well, Paul speaks to this directly here in verse 18. 
This is what he says. We're not going to read the text in full. We're just going to go piece by piece as we walk through it together. So draw your attention to verse 18 of chapter 8. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is Paul saying here? Well, he's addressing the reality that life can be tough, but there is hope found nestled within this verse and many others within the Bible that in light of eternity, when you compare the two, it's as if you are releasing a droplet of water in comparison to the vastness of the ocean. So when you look at your present hardships in comparison to the glory that is to come in all of eternity, it is very, very small. Now, this is not Paul minimizing any hurt or difficulty or pain that you may feel. He's not simply writing off hardship as, hey, get over it. It's not what he's doing at all. We must know that in the midst of our agony, in the midst of our hardship, the nearness of God is what we cling to, and we are grateful that he is with us. But comparatively speaking, we're able to see that the things we face are minute when placed against all of eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is really a beautiful text for us that reminds us of this very thing. Chapter 4 verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We'll see that language appear again a little bit later here in chapter 8. Now, I want to be very, very clear here so that there's no confusion. Paul is directly speaking to those Christians who are persecuted for their faith. That is the suffering that he is speaking of. I think that we can draw out of that life's sufferings that we all face, but he is speaking directly to those who are persecuted for their faith faith. Meaning if you are living for Christ, man, there's the real threat of being thrown in prison. There's Paul experienced that. There's a real threat of being killed. Others experience that as well. And he's saying, hey, take heart, take heart, take heart. This can be tough for us to understand in the United States, but here's some statistics that are as recent as of this year, speaking of what took place last year by way of persecution. 5,621 Christians were killed last year for their faith. Uh, 2,110 Christians were attacked last year because of their faith. 4,542 Christians were, were detained last year because of their faith. Statistics show that one in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. And verses like these are gold for our brothers and sisters who are in the thick of heavy persecution for their faith. We, we are called to pray for those that are persecuted. So we understand that life is hard. Life is difficult, but our hope is in Christ and we look for what is ahead. That is what keeps us going. We see a fascinating uh, section of verses here in verses 19 through 21. If you'll draw your attention to them, let's talk about them for just a second. Verse 19 says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, interesting point, not willingly, 
but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. Here's why this is fascinating. Speaking of all of creation groaning and longing for things to be made right. So think of it this way. The rocks, the trees, the hills, the valleys, the seas, the plants, the animal kingdom, they are all under the dominion of man. Yet each eagerly anticipate the future manifestation of the glory of God when all is made right. All of creation is eagerly waiting for their full measure of redemption. As a result of the fall of man that happened back in Genesis 3, we, say, we see that all of creation is broken, all of creation is marred, and so we experience things like floods, and hurricanes and tornadoes and droughts and earthquakes and bloodshed and death and sickness and much more. But that corruption and futility will one day give way to a renewed earth and the curse will be reversed. Now, what is meant by creation was subjected to the brokenness of, uh, of the life that we live, but they were not subjected to it willingly. Well, this means that as a result of the corruption of man, even down to the pollution in the water and the pollution in the air that affects the fish and the birds, they, they have been recipients of this brokenness, this weakness, this frailty, this corruption. But animals are not moral creatures making moral decisions like we are as men and women. They are not made in the image of God as we are. And so they fell into this because of the fall of mankind. And Paul is saying one day God's going to restore all things. Yes, it is different. It's not a sal salvific meaning for salvation, restoration for them. We need that redemption of salvation, forgiveness of our sins. But God promises one day to restore all things. Look at verses uh, 20, look at verse 22. It says this, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So how does the story of creation conclude? If we look at Genesis 1 and kind of the beginning and how God put all things together, well, it concludes with this pristine world where everything is in order. The, the water is crystal clear, and the pH balance is perfection. The grass is beautiful, beautiful grass, and it never needs to be watered or cared for because it's just in perfect condition. The fruit bears the sweetest uh, of fruit. It's the, these trees are incredible. When you eat of the fruit of these trees, and God's perfect creation, man, is unbelievable, the taste. But then in Genesis 3... The truth is exchanged for a lie and sin entered and all of creation is corrupted. But here's what we need to know theologically. The Bible does not teach annihilation. We see renovation. We see redemption. So not only will image bearers of God who trust in Christ for his redemptive work, not only will we be renewed in him, but all of creation will be restored. I don't know about you, I love to watch creation 
uh, or restoration shows. I, I love that. Whether it's a car that's being restored or an old tool that's being restored or whether it's a pair of boots that soles are just worn out and they're being restored or whether it's a home that's being restored. I love watching these restoration shows because it's refreshing and that which was broken is brought back to its original intent and that's what we will experience in Christ. And I love this in terms of us being created in the image of God and trusting in him and the hardships that we face on this side of heaven. Revelation 21 verse 4 says that there's coming a day where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, and we can look forward to that day as brothers and sisters in Christ. I love when I preach funerals to say there's going to be a day where there's no more handicapped parking spaces. There's going to be a day where there's no pharmacists to fill prescriptions. There's going to be a day where there's no more heartache, no more regret, no more pain, because God will make all things right. But then Paul says something interesting. He speaks of it as if it is the pain of childbirth. That which we face here on this side of heaven is equated to the pain of childbirth. Now, admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about childbirth. But what I do know is it appears to be painful and full of sorrow and difficulty, right? For example, my, my daddy uh, was born in an old farmhouse in Florida with no air condition. And he was, catch this ladies, 12 pounds. And there was no doctor. My grandmama had him in this house. The doctor came afterwards. And for the first couple of years of his life, there are no pictures of my daddy. And everybody picks on him saying that the reason there's no pictures of, uh, of him is because he's ugly. And to which we would all say, makes sense, right? He never grew out of that. He's still ugly, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, we, we would say, man, okay, so she didn't take any pictures of him just because she did, he, he didn't look right. That doesn't make sense to me. So I, I remember when my grandmama many years ago was sick and in the hospital, my wife and I went up to see her. And Dana and I were talking to her about having my dad and how tough that was. And so I finally asked the question. I said, Grandma, we know daddy's ugly, but that can't be the reason you don't have any pictures. Why do you not have any pictures of him? And she said, oh, son, she said, your daddy about killed me. She said, truly, it took me two to three years to recover from having him. My body was so messed up. But you know the craziest thing about my grandmama? Hear this. She had two more youngins after my daddy. I mean, that's crazy. How in the world could she have more kids after all of that trouble, after all of that chaos? Here's why. Because that agony led to unspeakable joy. You see, you didn't call my daddy ugly in front of her because she would, she would defend him. She'd say, no, that's my baby. He's precious. He's beautiful. He's everything to me. The agony that she went through, the pain that she went through, it led to unspeakable joy. So yes, it was hard but it wasn't the end. And I would say to you and to myself today, in life we do face challenges, in life we do faith, face difficulty, but it's like this, child, this childbirth, this, this labor pain, it's for a little while. But there's coming a day when there's unspeakable joy. I know it may be hard now. I know you may not understand some things right now, but take heart, take heart, because the Lord is with you. Let's continue on. This will help to make more sense as we journey, continue to journey through this text. Verse 23 says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan 
inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, not hope that is seen. Remember the Second Corinthians text we read? Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Paul speaks of this thing called first fruits. This is a foretaste of the glory to come. You know, Romans 7 talks about our contention, our battle with sin, with flesh and spirit. We know that's going to be a battle for us. We know that we're going to face some suffering on this side of heaven. But we also know that there are moments in time when God in his goodness and his kindness and his glory is felt. It's palpable. It's within reaching distance. You know, back in the fifth century, the Celtic Christians called this this thin space where the gap between heaven and earth feels so broad. There are moments in time when that thin space happens. And that means that the the eternity, the glory of God feels a little more in reach. You have these moments in time when God just reminds you that he is with you, that you are not forgotten, that he understands everything that you are facing, that he is walking right with you. Not only is he walking with you in terms of just understanding the presence of God, even better than that, he's given us the spirit of God in us. We have the spirit of God in us to lead us and guide us and show us where we ought to go and where we ought not to go. You have these moments in time that are thin space moments where the gap between heaven and earth feels a little thinner. I had this happen to me about a month and a half ago. About a month and a half ago, you don't know this, my staff doesn't know this, I went through a really hard time here. And I began to question whether or not the Lord really wanted me and my family to be here. And it's not that anyone did anything nasty to me or ugly to me. This is just something that came up and there were several things that took place. I'm like, Lord, Lord, is this really where you want me to be? And I was struggling, man. Well, I'm a prayer journaler and I believe that specificity leads to visibility when it comes to prayer. And so I wanted to be very specific in how I prayed. And so I asked the Lord to just use somebody. I'll never forget, this is on a Saturday evening. I asked the Lord to use somebody to speak directly to me, uh, not necessarily as a mouthpiece of God, but just to speak to me and encourage me and show me what reality is because I believe perspective matters so much and I want God's perspective. I don't want just my perspective or you know any kind of fleshly intent. I want God's perspective. And so I prayed that way. And the next day, there's this lady who had attended our church for a while, and she ended up moving away. And this was her last day to be with us before she was moving. And her and I talked just about every Sunday she was here. She would give me a hug. She's super kind. And uh, we never had an in-depth conversation, but I just remember the joy that was always on her face. And same thing happened this Sunday after I'd prayed that Saturday. She came up. I really wasn't expecting anything to happen, but she gives me a hug and she tells me it's her last Sunday. And I'm like, oh man, you're going to have to come back and visit. It's always such a joy to see you. And she said, but pastor, do you have just a couple of minutes? Because before I leave, I feel like I need to tell you something. I'm like, Lord of mercy. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we have a few minutes. And what she had to tell me was exactly what I needed to hear. I'm telling you, the very things that I was struggling with, there's no, you know, hyperbole in what I'm saying right now. Everything that I was struggling with, some of the thoughts that I was having, she was speaking directly to them as she was speaking to me. I was like, wow. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this thing. What I am trying to tell you is specificity in prayer leads to visibility. And for me, in that moment, a, year, a month and a half ago, that was a thin space moment for me. 
where I sensed the nearness of God. Sometimes we have those moments and it's God's kindness that he allows us to have. It's in his kindness that he allows us to have these first fruit moments. We also need to understand that these moments in time are special to us, but we must be very aware at what we are communicating to others, meaning Christians should not hide that the life of a Christian can be tough. We shouldn't hide that Christianity can be challenging. It's, Christianity is not a magic pill that once we take it, everything in life on this side of heaven is going to go our way. And there are some false teachers who mistakenly preach this as if it were true. They preach that, hey, if you are a real Christian, if you have enough faith, then you're never going to be sick. You're always going to be perfect, and you'll have loads and loads of money. Well, let me just address a couple of those. First of all, there are many wealthy people, and there's nothing in the world wrong with having wealth. It's how we leverage it. It's whether it has us or not. I mean, that's the question there. But yes, listen, we are going to face hardship in our physical broken bodies on this side of heaven. The irony in those that are saying you will never get sick is most of them are wearing corrective lenses. <laughs> and the saying that you can be perfect on this side of heaven, well, we've already read Romans 7. Man, we're going to contend. We're going to struggle. That doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean we have a license to continue in sin, but it does mean that's where we are going to be. So it's mission critical that we have biblical preaching that gives a proper perspective of ourselves in light of the biblical revelation of God, because this changes the way we look at life. It changes the way we look at tragedy. It changes the way we praise. It changes the way we pray. When we have a biblical worldview and we understand what God's word has to say, it shows us how to respond to the valleys in a manner which glorifies him. This is why it's critical for the pulpit to be known for rich exposition of God's word. You don't need my opinion. You don't need me to preach the news. You don't need me to preach sermonettes that are filled with this pie in the sky, feel good talk. Sometimes it hurts and it's difficult, but we need the word of God. When you come against some of those folks who are not preaching the word of God, well, they'll say, you may say, well, none of that's found in the Bible, bro. You know what he'll say? Well, yeah, I know it's not there, but Jesus himself came and told me. Hey, be careful of that, man. There's nothing extra biblical that we add to what the word has already given us. So be very, very careful with the things that you listen to or the Christian things that you watch on television. Yes, some of it's excellent. It's great. It's beneficial. It's edifying. But be careful because there are people out there that are mishandling texts like this and they would dismiss what Paul has to say about hardship. Don't dismiss it. Know that God can use it to shape us and to mold us and to make us more like him. So let me remind you, life can be tough, but you're never alone in Christ. And what we're going to see in these next two verses, the last two, is that God can use every ounce of what we go through for our good and for his glory. So last couple of verses. You excited to be there? Say amen. All right, cool. Verse 26. I love this portion. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Come on, somebody. For we do not know what to pray for as, uh, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
even when we don't know what to pray, even when we have these cases where our burdens are so big, they're so great that we cannot articulate well, we can't find the appropriate words to say, we need to know that we groan towards God within our spirit and the spirit of God knows exactly what to say, knows exactly how to say it. And the spirit of God also keeps us from making decisions or praying for things that are harmful to us. We may think it to be good or feel it to be right, but the Spirit of God knows if that's, a, if that's something that we need to avoid. And the Spirit prays for us, guards our bad motives, guards our wrong thinking. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name in front as a priority in our prayers. God, holy is your name, hallowed be your name. God, help me to pray in a way that glorifies you. I love 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, this is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. So even though you're going through hard things, even though it's difficult, even though you may not understand, know this, that if you would only trust in him, uh, even in those moments when you don't know what to say, if you trust in the spirit of God within you to lead those groanings that you can't even formulate uh, words around, let the spirit of God pray for you in a way that you trust that your God is in control and he is leading you. I got to tell you, there have been times in my life where I've prayed for things fervently, zealously, with great passion, and God said no, and I didn't understand why. Why did these things not come to fruition? I did everything I needed to do. Years later, I look back to God's no and realize that it was a blessed no. You see, the Spirit of God will lead you if you would rest in Him. The Spirit of God will lead you in your weak moments when you're not sure where to go or how to get there. The Spirit of God will intercede on your behalf. I was sharing with a friend of mine recently some of the internal struggles that I have. And, you know, we all have external critics and some of us have a very loud internal critic and that's me. And I know how that can be harmful and dangerous and things that, um, you know, can, can be harmful for us. But I was speaking with a friend of mine about that. And he said, you know, I do realize there's a negative side to that. He said, but maybe, maybe because you, you know, I've prayed many times for God to take it away and it's always been there. It's been a struggle. He said, maybe God is using that to give you the disposition that you need. So, wow. So you're saying that God can use things in our life that are tough for his glory and for our good? Yeah. It's profound, isn't it? I'll never forget years ago when that anxiety that I mentioned earlier in the sermon got the best of me. And I was dealing with it, contending with it. I'd gone to my doctor. I was dealing with a low level of depression. There's a lot of things that were attached to that. Um, and I felt the need to tell my church what was going on in my heart. And when I told my church prior to telling them, I was fully prepared to not be in ministry anymore because I fully expected my church to say, we don't want a pastor that's dealing with 
anxiety or a low level of depression. We don't want a pastor that's wrestling with those things. I fully expected for them to respond to me that way, not because they were evil people, they're amazing people, but in my brain, I thought that's exactly how they would view me. And I sat on that stage and I told them everything that I was going through. I told them my struggles, my battles, everything I was facing and how heavy it felt. And I didn't have the words to articulate it really well, but I was praying the spirit of God would speak through me to them. And in tears, I shared that. And afterwards, let me tell you something. Afterwards, the people stood up and they clapped and they would come up to me in tears saying, Pastor, it wasn't until you shared this today that I feel comfortable to share with you the struggles that I'm going through. And God opened this door in my life. Man, would I, would I wish that that anxiety and depression and struggle would just completely go away from me? 100%. But you know what? God said, my grace is enough and I'm going to use what you prayed to go away for your good and for my glory so we can leverage it because you don't even know what's around the corner. Hope is not what you can see right in front of you. Hope is in the unseen. You have no idea how I'm going to use your story to impact other people. And let me just tell you today, you have no idea, man. You have no idea. I know that you want that thing that you're wrestling with just to dissipate. I get it, man. And every time if it's a sin issue, we ought to be killing sin or it'll be killing us. I'm not talking about sin issues. I'm just talking about the hard in life. I know you just want it to go away sometimes, but I promise you this. God can use your greatest weakness to his glory if you'd only trust that he's got a purpose and a plan through it. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you. So whatever that is for you today, be encouraged. I'll never forget my daddy just about a month ago, a little over a month ago, I was in Florida and spending some time, summer vacation there with him. And we went, we went down this old field and saw this peanut farm, big old farm, thousands of acres. And my daddy, I don't know if I ever told you this, but growing up, my daddy was a, a cowboy, meaning he was a ranch hand. He was a day laborer in the, in the ranching industry and in the farming industry. And so he may come home with $100 for today. He may come home with nothing. But that's the way he lived, and we didn't have a lot. We were poor. My brother and I, we worked on those farms as well. We grew up doing that. Ever since I can remember, that's what we did. My dad, my dad dabbled in some of his own stuff, but as we were passing those fields, my daddy said to me, he said, you know, I don't know why the Lord didn't bless us with thousands of acres and so we could run cattle ranch. You know, we know what we're doing, pretty good at it, and farm, and that's kind of the lifestyle we've lived. And I don't know why God didn't bless us with all that and have this big operation like these other people have. And I looked at my daddy. I said, man, you know what? You got saved whenever I was in high school. And after that, God has used you to go to the poorest area of our county and to start this cowboy church. And man, you've reached so many people with the gospel. So many people. And you know what? If you had this big old farming operation, there's no way that you would have given that up to go and do that. You'd have been too busy. You would have never saw your need for Christ, possibly, if that's the lane that God had you in. But he didn't. He had a different story for you. And he's using every ounce of it for your good and for his glory. And oh, by the way, when you die, what's going to happen all that land? Well, and then I said this, I stopped myself. I said, well, it would have went to me and that would have been pretty awesome. I said, but when I die, that land goes away, man. I, I don't mean nothing. What matters is, what matters is that you know that God has a story for you and you can't control necessarily everything that happens in your life, but you know what you can do? You can rest that he has a plan. And even through the hard, you can trust that God's at work. And even in the difficult, when you don't know what to do or where to go, you can trust in the groaning spirit of God in you to lead you where you need to go and how you need to get there. So brother and sister in Christ, be encouraged today. This sermon, this text is not meant 
to discourage you. It is meant to build you up and to say, take heart. And if you're here and you don't know, know the Lord, you don't know Christ, I would say to you today, man, what an awesome opportunity for you to trust in him. The same God that we are talking about who is with us even in the heart, who uses every ounce of our life to his glory and for our good, the same God is at work in having you here today. It's not by mistake. So will you call on them? Will you reach out to someone so that we can talk to you? We have thousands of people that would love to talk to you about your walk with Jesus. At least hundreds. So reach out. We would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing this last song. And let's sing it with as much passion as we have. God, thank you for your mercy, your kindness. God, thank you for your love that endures forever. I pray that you've received all the glory today. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said.